Good morning. All nations come and worship you. And we heard a report on that this morning from Daniel, so we appreciate his ministry as he's getting it out to the nations. And his word just goes out and reaches people and changes people's lives. And so anytime we can get the word out, that's great. Let's pray before we uh, look into God's word. Father, we thank you that we gather and sing together. We thank you for those who lead us in singing, in worshiping in that way. Thank you for Daniel and his family and the uh, ministry that he's involved in. We pray for their family, Lord. We pray that you would help each person in the family to uh, just be able to do what you have them doing at this time and bless the radio ministry. And Lord, bless, help it go to those people who are hurting now. And uh, we're thankful that the, uh, the message is still going out into places that are being bombed and everything. So Lord, please change people's hearts. We know this is a prime time to do it. Thank you for what you do and what you will do in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you know, you've heard, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? Unless... Am I on the right one here? Oh, I gotta go to screen here. Unless you turn to the very last chapter of the Bible. We've been going through the book of Revelation and this morning we're on the very last chapter. And <clears throat> we may see some things in this chapter that sound too good to be true but we're gonna find out if they actually are. Now, if you've been here during this time through Revelation, do you remember how the Apostle John saw a vision of the holy city coming down from heaven, from God, onto the new earth? This is after all the battles are won, and it's time for Jesus to set up his kingdom to reclaim his earth. And do you remember, those of you who were here and who have read this, if you, when you read Revelation, you remember how John described this holy city coming down to the earth? Well, he described it in very, very realistic terms. He described it as a bride, you know, coming down from heaven, a beautifully dressed bride coming down from heaven. And we said that you know, in a wedding ceremony, <clears throat> you have all the talking, the, everybody kind of getting to meet people they haven't seen in a long time, and everything's kind of noisy in the, in the church. Then all of a sudden, you know, the music's playing, and everything stops. And everybody just looks back, and here comes the bride. And it's that beautiful, dressed, and beautiful bride coming down the aisle. <clears throat> and John says, that's how the holy city will come down to the earth. And so just think of this breathtakingly beautiful city 
descending upon the new earth that God has recreated out of heaven from God dressed by God and John says that it shone with the glory of God he said it was brilliant like a precious jewel like Jasper from God clear as crystal and then as we saw last week John goes on to describe how the city is made up of these gloriously magnificent features and he describes them, I'm just going to name them, the walls, the gates, the foundation stones, decorated with every kind of precious stone. And the city itself was unbelievably huge. Actually, the measurements in the Bible, when they talk about the city, it's like this 1,500-mile cube. Length, width, and height, 1,500 miles. <clears throat> now, a lot of scholars believe that that's exaggerated for emphasis. Not to deceive, but just to say, this is going to be one humongous city, this holy city. I offer the possibility that when God recreates the earth, and the whole earth is recreated, who knows how things are going to come out on the new earth. Maybe 1,500 miles will be just what exactly what God makes the city as. Maybe it's literal. But really the message is, whether it's literal or whether it's meant for emphasis, the message is this city is going to be so humongous it will take in everybody because the nations are all going to come. And they're going to bring their, their you know, people will live there, but there will be many nations around the new earth. And they'll all come at their own time. And they'll bring their gifts and worship the Lord from the things that they make from his earth. But in saying all that, there's something about the city that is even better than what we said so far. And I go back to chapter 21, and, and two verses in chapter 21 before we go into our last chapter. John said, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. By far, even though there's so many magnificent things about this holy city, this great city, by far the best thing is the presence of God with his people. He's going to make his home on the new earth and live with us. And all the way through the Bible, God has wanted to be with his people. He will be our God and we will be his people as we live with him. And he will be on the new earth with us forever and ever and ever and ever. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of corruption, cheating, lying, loss, disappointment, that will all be gone the new heavens and the new earth. 
But there's also going to be another glorious feature on the new earth that we haven't mentioned yet. And it is in the final chapter of our Bible. <clears throat> but just before we turn there, have you ever heard somebody make reference to the Garden of Eden? Something like, well, we're not in the Garden anymore. It's not like the Garden of Eden. You know, like the idea is, you know, we sin. Sin came into the, to the world. We were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Now we have to deal with sin all the time. And so people look back and say, well, you know, we're not in the Garden of Eden. And we know they're talking about everything being harder and more corrupt and everything wrecked by sin. And we may sometimes even wonder, what would it have been like if we were able to live in the Garden of Eden, where everything was so clean and fresh and beautiful, four rivers running through the land, Everything was growing, all the luscious trees and fruit and everything, communing with God in the cool of the evening, as it says. But now we're going to move on into the final chapter of the Bible, and we might just see something we never dreamed of. It's in Revelation chapter 22, and we'll read the first five verses. <clears throat> It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. There's a river flowing down right in the center of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. All nations come to worship him. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. <clears throat> you know, in the Bible, there are different places where there's references made to life-giving water. And we have God giving life-giving water to people, the spring of the water of life. And remember Jesus, when he went to the woman at the well. And she, she said, well, how are you going to draw any water? He goes, well, if you would have asked me for water, I would have given you life-giving water. I would have given you living water. And, of course, she said, well, you don't even have a bucket. But he was talking about a different kind of water, life-giving water. God is the source of the water of eternal life. And here we have this life-giving water coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And from this water, we have the tree of life bearing fruit every month. Continual water, life-giving water, continual food, no shortage of food every month, maybe a different crop every month. You know, on this present earth, we have to work hard or go through a big process to have clean water, don't we? <clears throat> it has to go through the, the plants. 
has to get cleaned. And in some places, of course, people have to walk miles just to get a day's worth of water. And in some places, it still isn't that clean, is it? I mean, some of you have been out there and seen that and worked with those people. But just think of this. Here on the new earth, we have the river of the water of life. Life-giving water. Water that, you know, enhances our living, our life. And then it also waters the tree of life, which never stops bearing fruit. Continual water, life-giving water, continual food. You know, today we hear about certain people living with food insecurity. I hadn't heard that term before until a few years ago. Food insecurity, where children coming to school hungry, even in our nation. It's not going to happen on the new earth. Nobody's going to school hungry. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Bible scholars see that. <clears throat> you know, you have the nations that have come to meet Christ as he comes back to take his earth back. And the nations are coming to stop him and trying to kill him. And he slaughters them with the sword from his mouth. And the battle, it seems like from the Bible, the battle doesn't even get started. It's just over as Christ comes on his horse. And the old order is passed away. And those nations who submit to Christ and receive his salvation, they are the nations now where the, the tree of the healing, the, the leaves for healing, heals those nations. It's kind of like a symbol. These, this tree is a symbol of the healing of the nations. And the curse that entered the earth under Adam and Eve is now gone. The old order is passed away. We are at the new heavens and the new earth and the great city, the great city of God, the new Jerusalem, beautifully dressed as a bride for her husband. And do you know what this great new city is? In a sense, in some way, it's the restoration of the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> but it's better than the Garden of Eden. See, the new city has elements of this wealthy, gold-plated city with all these, you know, precious jewels and then the, the, the high gates and the temple. And, well, not the temple. The Lord is the temple. The high gates and the city and everything. But there's elements of the Garden of Eden within the great and holy city. But it's better than the Garden of Eden. It has the throne of God and the Lamb in the middle of the garden. Life coming from God himself. And it has the tree of life that never stops giving food. It is life eternal. It is abundance. It is complete healing. It is absolute security. And then comes the best part of all. The Bible says, His servants will serve him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. If you remember in the Bible, <clears throat> almost any time anybody met with God in some way, in some form, 
they thought they were going to die because they they met God or they <clears throat> or excuse me or they looked upon him in the new earth we'll be able to look upon God's face <clears throat> and it won't hurt will be redeemed. I think it has to do with a redeemed body that will last forever. Our bodies will be made for eternity. And we will be able to look upon God's face. And, we'll able, and also, looking upon his face means that there's a closeness there that we don't have now. Although we can get close to God, we can pray to him, we can offer our work to him, but in that day, there'll be a closeness like we've never even came close to experiencing now. And it says they will serve him. Well, it says that his name will be on their foreheads. That's a symbol for he owns us. They may, we may not have his name literally on our foreheads, but it shows that we are his children and he is taking care of us. He is our father. And we are be. We are in fantastic hands as we live in his kingdom. <clears throat> and the word for service, <clears throat> excuse me, is like the word for priestly service. So that as we're serving God, we're also worshiping him. It's like the priests serve God in the temple. And that's the kind of service that we're going to give to God. And as no one could look upon the face of God in the past, now we can just look directly on his face. We will be serving God and experiencing our salvation in Christ in the fullest sense possible. And we will be filled to the fullest in our closeness and our relationship to God. It will be so fulfilling that we won't ever be able to get over it. His name on our foreheads means that we are his. He claims us as his own, and it says we will reign or rule with him. Probably means that we will be, again, he'll be give us that direction or that <clears throat> commandment to rule over the earth. Last time it didn't work, right? This time it's going to work. This time he's gonna have us ruling over the earth with him and this time we will be redeemed, we will not sin, and we will not fall. So what we're talking about here is fulfillment like we've never imagined. Being filled to the fullest. Filled with the fullness of God. To look upon his face and see and experience the glory of God. The glory of God can just mow people over. We'll be able to take it in and be able to experience it. We'll serve him in righteousness. We'll live every day and every minute as redeemed followers of Christ. We'll have God as our father in the truest sense of the word. He's our father now, but then he will be in a fuller sense, our Father. And you know, it all sounds too good to be true. And whatever sounds too good to be true probably is until we get to see God face to face. 
and live with him and serve him and worship him in person. <clears throat> to experience his glorious eternal kingdom. I don't believe we will ever get over the rapturous feeling of looking upon God and seeing his glorious kingdom. I think it will be eternal. That sense of excitement, that sense of just <clears throat> working through our being. And now as we go towards the end of the book, John says, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. He's talking about everything that he has been told by the angel. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. <clears throat> but he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Remember, he told Daniel to seal it up because the time has not yet come. Now with John, he says, publish it. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. This shows you that it's, the time is coming near. <clears throat> Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may, have the right, they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. You know, the Bible talks about coming soon. And of course, we've been waiting a long time for this coming soon. And it's been many, many, many years. But when you think about it from God's perspective, he doesn't always talk in measure of time like we do. You see, in the plan of God, this is the next thing. Christ has come to the earth, took on the form of a man, of a human, shed his blood for us, paid for our redemption, conquered sin, 
His next move was to return and destroy his enemies, as it says in the book of Revelation. And soon is code for us to be always ready. Don't let your guard down. Be vigilant. Be on guard. Stay faithful. Always be ready to give an answer. Don't get complacent. Don't fall into temptation. <clears throat> and even now, this is the invitation. Come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. It's still open to everyone, isn't it? It's still open for us to give this invitation to others. And that's why we're still here, aren't we? And it's going to be glorious. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues as described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. If it sounds too good to be true... It usually is, but not this time. It's true. And he's offering it to us. And he's telling us to come and drink. Come, be thirsty. Come to God. Turn to him. You know, in the world, everything is, are we going to choose this world and put all of our everything we have into this world and this earth and these treasures and ignore God? Or are we going to put everything into our treasures into heaven and be ready for heaven? And that's what he's saying, and that's what the book of Revelation is all about. And so, again, if it sounds too good to be true, it is down here on earth. But this time, it's true. Let's pray.